0: Um, hey everyone, uh, so this is the part two of our internship series. So we did the first part, um, which covered a lot of um, background on like m- my own and Sasha's experiences on working in internships and what we applied for, where to apply for, and also um, the first half of the application process. So your CV, cover letter, psychometric testing, um, and yeah, we ended it at psychometric t- testing. So today we're back to talk about the next part of this process. So we're going to be talking today about um, the interview itself. Um, So that's quite a big part. And of course, assessment centers, the possibly even bigger part that you've heard of. And we'll round out the whole thing with just our experiences working and um, some tips and tricks that we kind of hope that you can make the most of while you're working in an internship. Cool, so we'll just jump into the next step in uh, most of these processes, which are assessment centres. So if you are a commerce student, um, you probably would have heard quite a lot about these now. Um, they are sort of the most, I would say like one of the most commonly used yeah, ways so to test um, sort of um, your abilities, and this is typically in person as well. So. Um, I'll just quickly run through what an assessment centre normally looks like. So what you'll normally find is it'll be either a morning or an entire day where you'll go to the firm um, and you'll be in a group setting to do a group exercise and then you might also have after that um, an interview as well. So the the structure does differ between firms. Sometimes you'll just have the group exercise. Sometimes you'll have both the group exercise and like an interview. Um, but with the group exercise you'll be given some sort of scenario and you and your group have a very very short amount of time to work through what you would recommend to the client or recommend to whoever you're giving the advice for or you're like doing the scenario based on um you'll be assessed by someone from the firm sometimes two people um and i'll just say roughly your group size will yeah depend on the firm but it's normally not overly large it's maybe it's definitely maybe less than 10 people um so between five to six to 10 people that's like your group size um and then your assessors who will just be watching the process of your group as you like go through um discussing the um question or the scenario to the presentation at the end as well um yeah so there'll be people just kind of just watching you tackle the issue
1: Yeah. Um, and what I found, what I thought was really interesting is, um, like Michelle said that the ACs were very common for commerce internships. However, um, I did actually come across an AC even in my law, um, internship. And I thought that having that experience from commerce was really useful when I was applying for the law internships too. So, um, Yeah, really similar experience to Michelle that it was usually like a group task um, and then an interview. However, for one of my ACs, I actually did have an individual task that I'd actually had to prepare for Mm. in advance, which was quite daunting for me. But they'll let you know about it. But from my general understanding is you generally do not need to prepare for the AC I mean, we'll talk about what you do need to prepare for. I mean, don't go into it completely blind, but it's not like you're going to have a task that you need to work on beforehand. Like you'll get given everything on the spot generally. Um, And I think that people kind of freak out at the idea of having like a group task. Um, I -hmm. definitely freaked out about it because I had no commerce working experience at all. Um, And so I was thinking, I don't know anything. I don't know what I'm doing, but from my experience with the ACs that I had, it was actually a very approachable problem. One of them, I had two AC experiences. One of them was a case study, but it was a very, it was a really straightforward one. It was literally just like, you know, how like this business wants to, like this company wants to start a business here what might they have to think about and you know it's kind of stuff like you know is there demand for what they're offering or um how might they brand themselves or how might they stand out or how can they get suppliers things like that so it's not like you had to like you know solve an equation as a group or something like that it was it was quite straightforward and i think that what that shows um actually before i jump into what i think it shows i'll also say that my second ac was actually nothing like that and it was literally like we are explorers going through the jungle and one of us has just tripped and broken our leg how do we solve it or like we have a list of 10 items that we're taking in into the jungle uh we need to only pick five of them which one's the most important to take so obviously not like what that shows what these experiences have shown to me is that they don't actually care what the answer is Um, because they're not giving you anything particularly hard. So, you know, you'll be able to figure it out. I think what they're trying to figure out is how well you work in a team. That is the most important thing they're trying to do um, and how well you think. And so Michelle and I are probably going to talk now about what that, like how you might want to do well in a group, a group task and how you may want to show that you do work well in a group. Yeah.
0: So I think the most important thing when you go into this assessment center and you're doing this group exercise is to be a team player like it's easy to say but sometimes you don't really know what that looks like but it's actually quite simple don't speak over other people don't dominate the group but also don't be quiet like completely quiet and say nothing at all it's really about just you know, in the group project, when you have like that lovely person in the group who like does the work on time, contributes like good ideas, but also isn't like rude or annoying and like steps on other people's ideas. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for someone who, you know, will, who has good ideas, but more than that is just someone easy to work with. So I think in my experiences, I found that sometimes it's hard to like speak up um, because, you know, you'd have, all of these people trying to prove themselves in this interview process which is daunting um but if you get lucky with a good group of everyone who's just considerate and honestly just nice in the in that process it really really comes through um um the other thing i'll just quickly mention is like be facilitative so (laughs) you it's interesting because like what does that even mean but um these are like my, one of my two favorite tips for assessment centers, but when you start off the group exercise, immediately if you can, launch in and be like, "Hey guys, who wants to be the scribe? Who wants to be the timekeeper?" Basically, with you taking charge of that role straight from the beginning, it shows that it shows the markers that, you know, you're thinking about the group and you're trying to figure ways out to structure your discussion and, you know, you're really you're really actually thinking about the process. Um, and that is, you know, they are two such small things, but I've gotten feedback and they're like, Michelle has um, took charge and like did something like, you know, did really great things by just offering to write or offering to t- keep time. It's yeah, small things, but basically all built into that bigger idea of just, be a nice and considerate
1: team player. Yeah. And I think that's super important. What you say that there's a difference between being facilitative and being dominant. There's a difference between saying who Mm. wants to be scribe versus I will be scribe. Um, so I think that's a really, really great point that Michelle has raised. The other thing that I found, um, is, you know, because you want to show how well you work in a group, even simple things like using someone's name, as opposed to just saying you can do this or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like those things I think really make a really big difference. Um, yeah. And, yeah, like I said, it's all about just how you reason through it and how you work together as a team to get your outcome. So it's it's not as scary as it seems and it's not as complicated as it seems. It's literally just be a nice, friendly person that can work with other people to get the job done. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'd also just mention that um, if you are very nervous about the assistance inter-process, which I know I definitely was and a lot of people are, um, again, just pushing those pre-penultimate programs, they will often include a mock assessment center as part of the, the program and the day. So if you do, if you are able to get into that, you get to experience what it's like before you actually get there for the real like internship assessment center. And that's super, super valuable. It just helps you kind of know what to expect a little bit more. Um, and even if you don't do pre-penultimate programs, um, a lot of like like, clubs and societies will also sometimes run these, like, yeah, like, mock assessment centres, um, and so if you just have a look around, um, you know, the different clubs at Monash and see if there's any going on at the time, they really help. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, I think the first one that I did, my first ever assessment centre was so daunting. I remember being in there and, like, I was, I was never, like, a great person in group projects because I was always, like, too shy, but, Getting there, I was like, there is no room for me to be shy. All these other people are, like, climbing over the top of each other trying to talk, which I think, by the way, didn't show up that great for them um, in the assessment centre because you could tell that they were trying too hard to, like, dominate. Um, but at the same time, it didn't work for me because I was, like, not brave enough to, like, fully dive into there. So my first one's a bit of a mess, but um, I think, you know, just, like, giving your best go of contributing but being friendly and considerate is really important. And I'll just say quickly before too, I know this is going to be a really long podcast by this point, but, um, with assessment centers, like if someone in your team has kind of maybe said something that's like not the best idea, um, don't don't shut it down like in a really negative way that comes across very badly. It, it comes, it just, you can be like, oh, okay, that's an interesting idea. Um, have we maybe thought about the alternative blah, 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 blah. Um, or also, um, on the other side on the other hand if you've heard of someone like if someone has a really great idea you sh- you should 100% be like that's amazing oh like that's such a good idea like um how do how do we build on that it really shows that you're like actively listening
1: and you're engaging with what every member of your team is saying so yeah, yeah. i think that's super important cuz um like we were saying before it's not about the final product it is about how you've worked together to come to that product so even if that person did not give the best suggestion at all um you know this isn't actually going out to a client or anything like that. So it's just about whether you shut it down in a polite, friendly way. And also just adding on to Michelle's point also about, um, you know, giving the, we were saying, don't be dominant and don't take too much. Don't take charge too much um, because it can backfire against you. But that being said, do give assessors something to mark you on. They do want to hear your ideas. And so if you don't speak because you're afraid of being too dominant, that, it means that they have nothing to assess you on. And so having that balance of just you know being able to contribute some great ideas and being able to work with other people's ideas, whether they are great or maybe they're not as great as you were hoping. So um, yeah, having that balance and just being a nice person, be nice. That is probably the most important thing of this whole process. Just be a nice, friendly mm. person, personable, be personable. Exactly. <laughs> All right. righty. Perfect. That's probably a good time to go into the actual interview, which is probably the most terrifying process for everyone. Because yes. it's, you know, just
0: you. Yeah. With someone who's like, I'm maybe a partner or like a director from the firm and like it's just you're like, oh, what am I doing here? I don't deserve to be here. No, you do deserve to be there in that room. You've gone through the process. It's you know, they, I feel like I go into those things and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm just a student. Like I obviously don't have like I don't like what can I even talk about? no, you have lots of experiences and, um, you know, the firm is trying to hire you. Like, you know, they, they want you or they want someone and, like, you have passed all their tests to get there. So, yeah, just go in and show them who you are so that, you know, they can have a good judgment. Because at that point, they're just looking for the right fit of person. Um, they know that you're qualified. They've seen your grades. They've seen how you perform in an assessment center. At that point, a lot of it is your personality and how it goes with the team or what that member of the team is
1: envisioning, um, of the like new employee, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's so important um, to be aware of because, um, as, as much as we worry about whether we are good enough, I think what is really important to know is recruiters realize that we don't really know what we're doing and that is absolutely okay because they will be like the whole point of the internship is to and the grad role for that matter is to prepare you and they will teach you the skills what you like and what you need to know they will give you the experience that you need so i had recruiters tell me it is okay that you haven't had this experience or you're not 100% sure what this means what we're looking for is someone that we can build or shape into the worker that we want to see we will give you everything you need you just need to give show us that you have the bare bones of good personality that we can work with to get you where we need to you to be so um you know absolutely you deserve to be there but even if you feel like you are underqualified, like that is fine they are there to kind of guide you there i mean they you are just the same as everyone else is applying for it who you know is just a student who hasn't even finished their degree yet and you know most people will not have had um extreme levels of experience and so you know, the recruiters and the, these firms, they know what they are working with. And so they're not going to have unreasonable expectations of you. And I think that what I noticed in my interviews is, um, because I have, I have had a range of experiences. I've had, you know, experiences in a more office style roles and I've had experiences obviously with ESSA. And so I thought that And Mm. and I had, like, you know, some good grades here and there, so I thought that that the recruiters would be focusing on that and especially my work experience. I thought work experience was so, so important. Funnily enough, what they were asking me about was my hospitality roles. And I had half Mm. my interview, like like, literally like half of the interview, they would be asking me about my hospitality role. And I was thinking, don't you want to hear about my exchange? Don't you want to hear about my, like – office, like business admin experience. And, you know, they didn't, they wanted to hear about how I worked with people in a stressful, um, pressure-filled environment. They wanted to know about mm. like, um, the customers that I've had to handle, um, things like that. So I think that what that demonstrated to me is they want real people with, you know, some different kinds of experiences.
0: Yeah, A hundred percent. And it's also, cause I know, obviously not everyone is gonna come into these interviews with experience like Sasha just mentioned. So, you know, um, one thing that I would wholly, wholly recommend is that you prepare scenarios, or prepare things to talk about before going in, and they don't have to be sp- specific. Basically, the general gist of these interviews is you'll be asked sort of, like, behavioural questions, like, how did you deal with the challenge at this time? Um, Or you'll have, you know, other questions, more, like, motivational ones, where they're like, why do you want to work at this firm? So you know, kind of, know going in that you're going to be, like, hit with those questions, so you can kind of prepare a little bit, um, get those scenarios, and they don't have to be work experience, um, like, specific work experience. They can be, for me, one one answer I gave in my, um, in my successful interview was, um, they're like, what's a big challenge you faced? And I told them it was me moving over from New Zealand when I was 17, and that was, you know, it wasn't anything about work, and it wasn't anything about, like, you know, specifically policy. It was something quite – I I thought it was quite risky talking about because I was like, oh, like, my personal um, experience moving over was, like, difficult. Like, you know, I had to deal with, like, making new friends and, like, setting up a whole new life and stuff. And I was like, oh, is this not very relevant because, you know, why do they care about my personal life? It's very relevant. They want to know what kind of person you are. And the feedback I got from that interview is that I sounded really mature and that I was reflective and had genuinely, like, had experiences – of that nature, which shows that, like you know, I've been through things and I've like am learning and constantly reflective. If that makes sense, so um, you don't have to have like you know a specific work experience in a similar field. It can be you know a lot of hospitality, retail. You you learn so much in those roles of just dealing with people, and they love hearing stories like that, um, or you know personal stories of you know when you've moved somewhere or you've gone through something. Um, like you don't, you can be as personal or as not personal as you want to be that's up to you but um I'm, i think the thing that i didn't realize is that you can take your answers from anywhere as long as you can explain
1: how that's like shaped you slash how you've grown from it yeah i think that's really really important and if anything i think adding person like adding your personal experiences is really important because it'll make you stand out because you know michelle you've moving from new zealand is not something that <laughs> i or many other applicants would be able to Um, relate to so you know when people like when the recruiters will look back on your application they'll be like oh Michelle was the one who you know moved from New Zealand Mm. Um, so you know like things like that will make you more memorable than saying oh I had this mistake that I made in my admin role and you know I worked through that you know I think that being able to add more personal anecdotes is um, really great because it'll make sure that you stand out and that you're memorable and also kind of like what I was saying before that they're not necessarily looking for the best like the person with the best experience or the best skills like technical skills I think they're looking for just real people that they can work with and so if they like you as a person based off your stories and the funny things that you can share about and the things that you can talk about I think that that's going to be held in just as high of a regard if not higher um, than any technical stories that you can <clears> provide and I think that can um, flow into sort of the structure of the interview and so I had my i had a range of um, interviews both in commerce and in law and i noticed that there was a real difference between a couple of them and so a lot of the time particularly in the commerce ones um, it was quite structured and you would kind of you could tell that everyone was being asked the same question of tell give us a time that you worked in a team or give us a time that you mm. had to face a challenge and you know, why would you want to work in this firm Um, what can you offer us or what are your strengths? So you could tell that everyone was kind of asked the same questions. And even in my interviews, I could actually see them writing down my answer, which sounds really daunting, but I kind of appreciated it because I could tell that it meant that they didn't want to miss what I was saying. And that later on, they would actually be comparing our answers quite fairly across the board to sort of reflect on what everyone has said. That being said, another structure um, or type of interview that I faced was a very free-flowing conversation. It didn't feel like an interview. It was just like, hey... What's your day looking like today? Um, Tell Mm. us about this experience from your resume. Um, And you would just go off on off tangent, you know, complete conversations. And that was a different experience in itself because they weren't making notes. They were just having a chat to me. And I think that what they were sussing out there was my general vibe and whether they could work with me and whether they felt like I'd be a good fit for their team and for their firm culture. So each one has its pros and cons, but just be prepared for the different style that you might face. Um, One thing that I found was really, really useful in terms of preparing for the interviews was sort of what Michelle was saying, um, giving a list, like preparing a list of scenarios in your head, like different experiences that you can draw out and how you might be able to relate them to a question. So, you know, you may have had an experience in one of the societies that you're involved in where um, maybe it was a challenge, maybe you had to work in a team to solve that challenge. And so you could use that experience to relate it to the team question or the challenge question. Yeah. Um, see if you can find some personal experiences from your work, whether you've had to manage a difficult customer Um, If you've been on exchange, I think that was a really useful one for me. And I think Michelle as well can relate to it. You know, just going overseas and having to adjust to a different environment, different people. um, A lot of the time you wouldn't speak the language of that country. I think those skills and those experiences are super important, super relevant. One thing I would also just preface is... um, Prepare your answers, but do not rehearse or recite your answers. Mm -hmm. They want to have a conversation with you. They don't want to listen to a robot. So I think having, like, remembering your ideas um, and preparing, like, rough answers in your head or what you would want to say to a question, I think is perfectly fine and probably a really good thing to do, actually. But I would discourage Mm -hmm. actually memorizing answers because oftentimes you wouldn't actually be answering the question that they're asking you anyway with that
0: yeah and just building on that um you guys might have heard of like the star technique um or like things like that and like I so they're kind of like structures when when you answer questions and I would 100% like recommend like reading up on that if you haven't heard of it or yeah actually using it when you are answering um I think when you're Yeah, you're kind of describing your experiences and you've been asked a question. And so the STAR technique, if I can remember it correctly, is like situation, task, action, analysis, action, (laughs) action or analysis, something like that as as a result. result. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So it's just like, just kind of basic. Like it just helps you maybe unlike what we're doing right now, but it helps it be a lot like your answer is quite structured and that they can follow your line of thought quite well. Um, But yeah, like just having that in the back of your mind as well, but not over-rehearsing is really important. Um, And I think maybe just the last point here about interviews, um, which we've kind of been making throughout the whole podcast too, is just that, you know, your experiences are so important Mm -hmm. here and it's, again, it links so much to what we talked about in the last episode of how to stand out, but it really, really does involve like what your extracurriculars are. Because when I applied for my first interview, I found that at that point I hadn't joined ESSA. I hadn't really worked that much. Um, I was surprised I even got to the interview like stage, to be honest. And I didn't have that much to like that many scenarios that I could like draw from. And so um, that's why I was talking about like when I moved from New Zealand because I couldn't really think of anything else. Um, And so it's really important for just your answers in interviews that you have a lot to – like, that you've been involved in over the years. So, like, society, for me, like, being part of ESSA has been a major one that I talk about in pretty much every interview I have now. Like, the amount of things – like, I can just go on and on about, like, how much I've gained from being part of ESSA or, like, the challenges that I face trying to, like, set up an event or something. So, like, all of those experiences and co-curriculars that you have are so important. And it doesn't have to be a society. It can be, you know, part-time work, obviously, or um, – I don't know any or case competitions yeah, like case competition's volunteering good, yeah. yeah definitely volunteering um just things that aren't strictly academics because you can use like you know group work examples like if you get asked like what's the time you worked in a team and you talk about when you work you had a group project for uni um yeah it works and like it can work well if you describe it really well but at the same time That's what a lot of people are going to talk about. And like Sasha said, you won't be memorable in that sense if you're just giving a kind of very basic, oh, like this is this happened in a group project where someone wasn't pulling their weight. Like that happens a lot and people talk about that a lot. And so if you have other things that are a bit more
1: unique, a bit more, yeah, different that you can express, I think that helps a lot. Yeah, I I think just sort of bouncing back from that is I don't think it's necessarily a bad example to use, the group assignment one, but Mm. have a more interesting or more detailed story than just someone wasn't pulling their weight. I think one way that I spend one of my group assignments was um, when I was on exchange, uh, I did do a group assignment and I was the only one for whom English was my first and native language. And so even though I had wanted to do one particular part and get my part over and done with, Um, I'd had to reassess our strengths and weaknesses and I kind of realised that I would probably, like we all realised that I would be the best person to do the final editing and proofreading task, which is what I didn't really want to do compared to what um, the other thing that I wanted to do. So I think that um, that showed that it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't like a story about someone not pulling their weight. It was something a little bit more unique that I could spin and kind of talk a little bit more about how this like I had to readjust my expectations and kind of work better in a team for the benefit of the team overall. So I think that's one way of showing that, you know, group assignments not necessarily a bad example, but just try to have something a bit more different and a bit more unique about it. And even if it is someone not pulling their weight, if you can kind of give a little bit more to how you solve the problem, as opposed to, Mm. you know, I talked to them or I did the work for them because it is, it tends to be quite a generic example. Um, One other thing that I would like to add is, Thankfully, I never actually experienced this in my interviews. However, I have heard of this kind of question coming up. You may get asked a sort of obscure question of like, how many balls do you reckon will fit into this room Mm -hmm. or how many trains run through Flinders Street uh, throughout the day? Um, And I used to hear about these stories before the assessment centers, and I would freak out being like, I do not know Mm -hmm. the answer. Um, And I I was hoping based off my experience that, you know, maybe this is just something that isn't actually asked but after hearing from a couple of friends they some places do ask that kind of question and one thing that my friend who was successful in getting um uh in getting the role from after answering that kind of question was they wanted to see your process of thinking? Obviously, no one is going to know. Like the recruiters themselves have no idea how many tennis balls will fit into the interviewing room. They have not, they have not measured it in advance. I promise you. <laughs> but what they really appreciated was the way that you thought about it. And something that I'd like to pass on from what my friend said did well worked well for him was. Um, Giving two styles of approach, like trying to solve it in one way and trying to solve it in another, whether that be, you know, how big is a tennis ball first? Um, can like how many balls would fit, with, like lengthwise or widthwise, or something like that? Um, and then maybe try another way of solving it, um, approaching it in different ways and kind of talking through your process of thinking with the recruiters. They want to see what you consider, what you don't consider. Um, especially if you're going for a more of a consulting style role, where you do have to do that kind of level of thinking. Like you may have a client that comes to you with a really obscure question of like, I don't know, how can we solve climate change in our firm? And it's such a I don't know, <laughs> it's like such a broad question that you know you're just gonna be like, I don't know. But the whole point of it is like the, the, these kinds of tasks of the kind of work that you're gonna be doing is you're gonna be going through really difficult questions. And trying to reason your way through it step by step. So that's what those questions are designed to do. You are not designed like they're not designed for you to have an answer off the top of your head. They want you to think about it properly. I don't know anything. Yeah, else there's no that? right answer of like
0: two thousand seven hundred and well, twenty-nine right tennis balls. <laughs> there
1: is a right answer. Oh, okay. They
0: technically is, but they're not looking for that. Yeah. <laughs> they're looking for how you get to that end result. So yeah, don't just throw out a random number and hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> try to try to have some. Some sort of like, oh, yeah, like maybe because of this leads to this, some sort of um, logical reasoning would be good.
1: I think hopefully that covers everything from the interview process. Yeah, I think that was just like an interesting point that I wanted to raise that sounds like neither of us had to deal with that kind of question, right? Yeah, I'm very (laughs) glad I
0: didn't have that kind of question. Oh, goodness. I don't think my reasoning would be that strong. (laughs) But, um, yeah, that kind of concludes this part of the podcast of just going through the – the whole application process, um, I think, yeah, it's on a, It's, it's a very daunting process and it's very, it's, it's a difficult process in for everyone. So, I mean, we, me and Sasha have both had, have been lucky to have gotten internships and have gotten these experiences, but you know, it, it doesn't always happen immediately and it doesn't happen for everyone and it's very difficult and you know, it, I don't want to be like super optimistic and be like, you're going to get an internship because at the end of the day, it's, there's just so many people. And sometimes you're just looking for something that's a bit different. And I've had that happen to me so many times with, um, the, like the internships I've applied for unsuccessfully. And I do still believe that, you know, there's something that suits you and what you're passionate about and your skills somewhere. So like, if you don't get something, don't be too discouraged. Keep trying. Um, I guess I'll throw in a kind of an interesting little anecdote on my end, but, um, I applied for Esther in first year and I didn't get it. Ooh. And that discouraged. <laughs> yeah. I thought,
1: mm. look at you as president
0: 2020. <laughs> I know. So that was very discouraging. Um, after like in my first year, I was like, oh, I guess I'm never suited to be in a club, I guess. Oh no. Um, but then, After like a year or two, I was like, you know what? I want to try it again. And at that point, I was much better suited towards it. Like in first year, I didn't even know why I wanted to join the club. I was like, this will look good on my CV. But then, in when I came back around in like third year or whenever it was, I actually wanted to like be part of something and get experience um, being part of like a society. And I think that just makes a difference. Like it's all about timing, and it's about the right fit. So yeah, don't be discouraged. If things don't go your way,
1: um, your time will come. I think it's a really Fingers great crossed. anecdote, especially considering your progression now to, <laughs> to becoming president after initially being rejected. I think that's a really great story. Um, yeah. <laughs> But I think I, I, following on from that, um, don't be too discouraged. I will share the story of my friend who was going through the whole process of applying for commerce internships. She did a straight Bachelor of Commerce and she went through the whole process throughout the whole year because like I was saying, these commerce internships pop up throughout the year and she I watched her go through it and thankfully I wasn't because I was doing a double degree my time hadn't come yet so I wasn't going through the process I was just watching her go through it and she was just consistently going to AC's doing an interview and just getting rejection after rejection and she'd come so close and then she just wouldn't make the cut and by the end of it she was saying to me look I'm not, I've am not. i just accepted the fact that I'm not going to get anything this year, but um, I've give, I've gotten some really great experience to apply for grad roles next year. And I think that's a, firstly, really great point, because firstly, if you don't get um, an internship, that like and it doesn't mean you're not eligible for a grad role at that same company the next year. So you can always apply for the grad roles next year. Um, but so she was saying, like, she was trying to put a positive spin on it and saying, um, I will use this experience, figure out what went wrong, what didn't go, uh, what went well, and I'll use that for next year. And also, I just want to touch on the fact that what Michelle was saying is really important about getting feedback. I never actually got feedback about how I went for the places I did do what, like get did get a place in, or the ones I didn't get a place in, and I do regret that. I'd like to know what my strengths and what what I could have worked on. Um, but what ended up happening with my friend was despite the fact that she went through that whole year of, you know, just going through that whole process. And I could just see how it was wearing her down throughout the year. Um, she'd started applying first week, semester one, and then semester two, week 12, she got an offer for a summer internship in the end. Yay. And she would kind of like, she was looking at it so dejectedly, <laughs> like just sort of thinking I'm not going to get anything. But then in the end, something came through. Um, and so I guess the moral of that story is never give up, just keep going and have a positive attitude and take every experience as a valuable experience, whether it something good does come out of it or whether it doesn't, because if it doesn't work out very well, you can use that experience for the next interview that you do get
0: a hundred percent. Yeah. I guess a very cheesy way to prove <laughs> that part from us, but um, we do both really believe that um, and understand how difficult of a pro- process mm-hmm. it is. Um, and we wish you guys all the best. But before we wrap up, we do have one last point that we'll cover quickly because I know it's been very long now. <laughs> um, we'll just quickly talk about our experiences in the internship itself and what you can do to make yourself stand out and do well in it. Um, I think the, f- the one thing that I was really surprised by was I went into these internships being like, okay, I'm, I have to produce good work. Like I have to, you know, the task that they give me, if they want me to do a research task, I need to do it well. And I need to prove to them that like, you know, I'm amazing and that's why they want to keep me. And then I kind of found out that that's really only half the equation. And the, the things that, um, I don't know, you kind of hear floating around like soft skills and like networking and stuff, those are so much more important than I thought they were. And cause I was like, oh, like they just gonna, they just want someone who's good at the job and no lo and behold they want someone that they can vibe with so you have (laughs) to pass the vibe check (laughs) you really have to pass the vibe check of the firm that's kind of the the hidden second part i think of the whole experience and i'll say that um in my two internships the first one i was very very reserved i was very nervous um i kind of just like stuck to my work and like that's kind of all i did and i think that shows like it showed in the fact that i like had a really good experience there, but I maybe wasn't able to make the lasting relationships that I wanted to. And, um, whereas in the second one, I really like forced myself to make the most out of it, like person wise as in like meet more people in the firm, like get coffees with people, chat to them, like make sure that they liked, (laughs) liked talking to me, just being like a nice considerate person. And it was that, that side, I think that was more important, um, being able to form good relationships and to show them that I'm someone that maybe they would like to work with that I'm not super boring or like, I'm not just, you know, just doing my work all the time that I can, you know, have a laugh around the coffee machine or the water cooler or whatever, (laughs) whatever typical thing you can kind of imagine. Um, so yeah, it's really about building relationships and still doing good at your job. Like you can't not be good at your job, but, um, it is also making sure you put time
1: aside to, Get to know people and just be friendly. Yeah, I think that's super important. Um, I can definitely vouch for that as well. So my two internships have been legal related, and I'll just quickly preface by saying that I like a couple of things that I did included um, drafting like research memos about a topic or um, preparing a letter to um, like a, a counsel or to a client, um, preparing sort of published like responses or things like that um drafting timelines so tasks that you know the the something that isn't too hard like they like it it will challenge you and you'll learn something from it but it's something that you can definitely approach um and a, a very really similar experience to michelle that they wanted to see how we interacted with people in the firm so if you're stuck um doing your work consistently like going like working through your lunch break or not going out for coffee. I don't think that it shows that you'd fit as well into the firm culture as, as, um, and I think that that's probably more important than, you know, submitting perfect work. Obviously they want to see that you can do good work, but kind of what I was saying before that they're not looking for the best employee, like the best technical skilled worker because we're all just uni students who don't really exactly know what we're doing. So, um, it's better to just sort of show that you're a good fit and that you're malleable and that you will work well with the people in the firm. Um, one thing I did want to ask you, Michelle, because I haven't done any economics Mm. internships. Um, what kind of work did you do in your, in your internship?
0: Yeah. Um, so in my economics internship, I did, So the team that I was in was, um, kind of split into like two areas. There was like this data side, forecasting side, um, that was, yeah, working a lot with data and just like pumping out forecasts, like what the housing prices will look like or like what, you know, the next quarter's GDP would look like. Um, and then the other side of that team was publications. And so just like turning those, those data points into a paragraph, like actually readable, um, understandable that sort of thing and so when I was working there that's what I was mainly focused on I did a couple of like uh research lit reviews um and then I did a lot of drafting so I would I drafted a lot of like um either in like reports or like client reports or the ones that are kind of published with the firm name on it as well so I would say those are my two main things I didn't do as much data in the um in that internship as I probably should have, um, because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with the data, but um, I definitely want to work on that some more and then be able to contribute to the data side a bit more. Um, And I think maybe just one last point from me on um, the internships that um, Sasha just briefly mentioned. It's so true when they tell you that they don't expect you to know anything at all. Like you go into it and they <laughs> really just assume that you don't know anything at all, which you know what? Granted. Um but it's <laughs> it's a good answer. I like try to like do you know what I mean right? Cuz like they really yeah. just like we know they bring something you in but we know and- nothing. Yeah, you essentially know nothing about working. So they know that, you know, you know how to do, you know how to write and you know how to read and you know how to do all the things that uni's taught you. But at the same time, that's also different in the workplace. So they will take the time to explain you um, everything and they will take time to like guide you through things so don't be overwhelmed when you go and you're like I don't know how to do anything what am I doing now Um, just make sure you're asking questions you're engaging with the work I think that's more important than like coming in with like a amazing set of data analytics skills to begin with like you can always as long as you can show them that you're willing to learn and you're willing to pick things up that's very that's more important I think in my opinion Um, and Yeah, I would also say just um, this is probably both for your interview and once you start your internship, but do a little bit of research before you get there. It's a it's a nice impression when you like rock up to your internship and you've, you know, kind of had a look at what your team's doing and like the projects that they've done. It doesn't have to be anything detailed. It could just be like half an hour on Google, um, but just like reading quickly, like what they've done in the past so that you can, you know, you have some conversation to make when you do get there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really, really important, and it's something that I forgot to say um, as well. I think when we're talking about interviews, is that when I went into the interview from like my very first interview I'd read so much about the firm I was like I know you have 335 staff members <laughs> or something like that yes. um and I, like and I, it didn't come up in the interview because they did not want to talk to a robot or a google search engine <laughs> they wanted to talk to someone who's actually interested in the work they were doing so being able to be like oh I know you did this project I thought that was really interesting can you tell me more about that is a little bit better than oh I know you have 35 different departments and you know stuff like that um but also um asking questions um I know that Michelle, you've just brushed, touched up on, touched on that in the actual internship, internship process, but also I just want to go back to the interview process really quickly and mm-hmm. make sure because we didn't talk about this, but make sure you have some questions lined up to ask the interviewers, um, and you know like what I, I found the most human questions were the ones that I was the most genuinely interested in knowing about, like, you know, what's your favourite part about working in the firm? Or um, you know, what's the most interesting project that you have done? And also even asking them stuff like what books are you reading in your spare time or what podcasts are you listening to? Because you wanna what my friend said was one thing one good thing about that is firstly you find out do they actually have time to read and to, you know, <laughs> listen to podcasts or are True. they slaves to the system? Um but also, you know, you get to talk to them on a more personal level and you know touch a bit more on that personality that you have and the interest you have outside of union work. Um, in terms of how it applies to the internship itself, asking people questions, if you don't know something that is okay, they are there to teach you. If you have a very dumb question and you will definitely will, that is absolutely okay. (laughs) What I found was a really, really great thing to do is go to the grads. You will have the graduates around you. They have just been through the process. They understand it. They are your buddies. They will take you out for coffee and give you advice on the whole process. Um, and every time I'd had a dumb question, I'd go to them and be like, I have a dumb intern question. And they'd be like, go for it. Just hit me. It's fine. And so I thought that was a really, really great resource. Um, and the other thing I would do, I would also say, um, is like I had a very similar experience to Michelle with the first internship. I was a nervous wreck in my first one and I was so worried about the work that I was going to do. And that really, I think that really affected my performance in terms of how stressed out I was. And I think people could tell that I was really nervous and stressed out all the time. And it doesn't like, obviously it's okay to be nervous, but if you let it show too much, it doesn't give off the best impression of what kind of person you really are outside of your nerves. And so going into my second internship, I was much more aware of managing my emotions and trying to present myself in the most confident way I possibly can. And that's the other thing that I would also say is that I think with my first internship, or I think I have a really natural habit of being of prefacing that I don't know something and be like, Oh, I don't know how to do that. I think it's much better to rephrase that and say, I've never done this before, but I'm really keen to have a go at it. And I think I have a rough idea of how I might be able to get started on it. Um, And just having that kind of confidence and conveying confidence without conveying arrogance, I think is a good balance. Um, And the other thing is sort of what Michelle was saying, how you've kind of, the department was split into different teams, but that you'd kind of weighed a little bit more on one side and you didn't really get to explore the other. I think um, asking questions about the stuff that you don't get a chance to work on, I think is super important. Um, Not only to show that you're interested, but also for your own benefit just to find out what kind of work other people are doing. So, I really liked to float around the firm, and even if I didn't get a chance to do as much work in one area as I wanted to, just being able to show that you're keen and interested and you wanted to help and you wanted to learn about that area, I thought was very important. Um, So, yeah, I think that was my experience with my internships. Um, Anything else to add, Michelle?
0: Um, Not really. I feel like we've covered, yeah, we've definitely done a deep dive. Yeah, it's been a big one. Thank you for sticking with us if you're still here. yeah. Um, and like, we probably could keep talking about it for like an hour more because it's just, it's, yeah, it's honestly, you do uni for like four, like for us both, it's been like four years and then we did our internships and, um, it's quite, it's quite a daunting process, but at the end of the day, you know, just make the most of it like do your best the thing that they they used to like the firms used to say a lot and I was like well, whatever but they used to say like it's not just us choosing you it's you choosing us and like at the time I was like no like you need to choose me first <laughs> like I can't like I can't just choose you and that's how it is but at the same time it is it's like you know do you want to be there for for you know the your grad role or like do you actually want to be there so it's also about with how much you fit there so don't Don't be overly stressed and try to, yeah, put yourself – like, change yourself too much for your internship. Be who you are and see how you fit in there and whether or not you like the people, the culture, the work. It's it's all about, yeah, passing that vibe check, both for you and for the firm. So, yeah, just – Just, yeah, give it a go. And in any case, like if you don't love your internship or, you know, you maybe if you don't get offered a grad role or anything like that, that's still incredible experience going forward for other grad positions um, and stuff like that. So, yeah, everything will, every experience has its benefits. You can always talk about it in another interview in the future. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, And I think, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of it from us for this episode, Um, unless you've got anything else to add.
1: Sasha? No, but I mean, I think I think it's probably a good point that you mentioned. One of my friends did do a summer internship, and it didn't pass her vibe check. And so, even though they were mm. asking her how she feel about coming back and working there permanently, she said she wasn't really sure about it. And she said she she actually declined it because she said it wasn't the right fit for her. But she said that she thought it was a really great and valuable experience, and now she's looking at um, programs to apply for instead this year. And she's doing it with a greater lens of you know I know what I didn't what didn't particularly fit for me within that department and so she's a little bit more selective now and she knows a lot better what her experiences are and so I think that's a really great I think I think that's a really great lesson because I think we're all kind of programmed to think we have to pick the first thing that jumps our way but I think it is important to be selective about what you want to do and what works best for you because this is something that you will be doing for a very long period of time and, you know, full-time work (laughs) takes up. I think that's the other thing. Oh my goodness. Internships are so exhausting. Commuting five days a week. I wanted to sleep so much. And then by the Mm. third week of my internship, I just started sculling coffee and I was not a coffee drinker prior to that, but gosh. um, So, you know, if you're, if you're going to be getting that tired, um, you want to be doing it. You want to be enjoying what you're doing. That makes you tired. If that makes (laughs) sense. (laughs) That makes so much
0: sense. Yep, the commute oh I feel that. And um that's a perfect sort of little segue or seg. Seg-, <laughs> into seg into um our next episode, which will be on grad life. So we'll be chatting with um a grad who has yeah, who's just finished her first year as a grad. So she might be now no longer a grad, but she'll have really great insights on, you know, how she found um grad life full-time work and all of that. And so I think, yeah, tune back in next week if you want to hear about the next stage in your student business cycle <laughs> of what actually grad life is. Um, but yeah, so thanks so much for sticking with us in this very long, but hopefully insightful interview. Um, interview, <laughs> We've been talking about interviews for so long. We've Podcast. been interviewing Podcast. each other. <laughs> yeah we just went into each other but this has been a great interview then in in that case um but yeah so hopefully it's been helpful um I think because it's such a long episode we'll leave some like timestamps if you do want to jump to specific um points in the um, podcast yeah and hopefully you guys have yeah gained something from it if you do have any more questions you want to ask us about our experiences or just any advice um just send us a message on the Facebook